0: Last week we began talking about the event of David fighting Goliath, and we talked about the first half of that, and so today we're going to continue where we left off and talk about the second half. So the first half was just kind of the setup, now we get to actually talk about the battle that took place. So we'll pick up where we left off in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. So in the last episode, I talked about how uh, the Israelite people had were just focused on the physical size of Goliath and that that had made them lose faith in God, that God would protect them and uh, give them the strength to overcome the Philistines and overcome Goliath. They'd lost faith because they were focused on physical things rather than spiritual things. And here we see where that comes from, because King Saul, king of the Israelites, has that same perspective where he is focused on the physical things. He sees David and only sees a young, small boy in front of him. And he goes out and sees Goliath and he's like, This isn't going to work. There's no way that you, David, being this young man, will be able to overcome that giant Goliath. Um, So Saul is focused on the physical instead of the spiritual. And as the king of the Israelites and leader of their army, that is where they get it from, is is from Saul, from that leadership. And, And that's something that's challenging for me personally, as a leader and as a pastor, is that I want to um, be so right with God that that is what trickles down um, through the rest of my congregation, rather than my shortcomings. I, I want to rely on God and, and be the best leader that I can be for the sake of everyone in my church. So let's continue on at verse thirty-four. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So here David kind of gives his credentials a little bit. He says, you know, I'm not just a young boy. I'm not just, you know, coming with no experience at all thinking, well, this is my chance to prove myself. He's saying, no, I've been a shepherd, and as I've been taking care of the sheep, I took care of a lion and a bear. And, and because of his, his past exploits, Saul is then able to accept him uh, to go and challenge Goliath. He recognizes, okay, this is someone who does have skill, who does have experience, who does have strength. And, of course, that comes because of the life that David was living beforehand, where he was willing to put his life on the line to protect his flock, his sheep, his father's sheep, uh, against the lion and bear, against the threats that um, opposed them. And whenever I would think of that, about David fighting the lion and the bear, I always, in my head, pictured it as he's taking care of the sheep, and then as the, the... As the creature approaches, David goes and fights him off. But that's not what it says here. It says that the lion and the bear took a sheep and carried it off from the rest of the flock. And then David chased it down and took care of it. Now, if I was a shepherd and I saw one of my sheep being carried off in the mouth of the lion, my first response would probably be, well, that's a lost cause. I mean, that would probably be my uh, natural reaction is I, I see the lion running off. The sheep's already in its mouth. I I missed that one. My bad. Uh, I'll try to be more alert for next time. But that's not what David does. He chases the lion down and rips the sheep from its mouth and then fights the lion. Uh, and, and I think that is really powerful that even though the situation looked hopeless for the sheep, that David was still willing to put his life on the line to go and get that sheep back. And again, this is one of the things that's challenging for me, that I that uh, with my congregation, my church congregation, to not be like, well, somebody has stopped coming to church, they've started to kind of fall back into their life of sin, and... and maybe there was a big conflict with them and the rest of the church and they've kind of just renounced church and christianity in general and they've gone completely back uh into their old lifestyle that i don't give up on someone like that at that point i don't just say well they've been carried off by the lion you know they've gone back their old life they've renounced uh christianity and this church and everything this church stands for They've kind of made made their choice. It's kind of a done deal. That I don't have that kind of mentality. I say no. This is still someone whose life is precious, and I need to be willing to chase after them and try to try to save them from where they're at. I want I want to be like David in that regard, and I love the fact that he says that Goliath. Uh, you know, so he tells you know I took down the lion. I took down the bear and he says goliath will be like one of them and i like that he says he will be he doesn't say he can be he's not saying you know goliath uh you know he might have the strength of a lion or a bear but i can take him down just like i did one of them he doesn't say i can do it he doesn't say goliath will or can be like one of them he says He will be like one of them. And he doesn't say it's uh, because of how great he is. He doesn't say, yeah, Goliath will be taken down uh, because I have done these exploits. That's why Goliath will be taken down, is because I'm so strong, I'm so good in battle. He says it's because he has defied the armies of the living God. And because Goliath has made that choice, Not to come against David, but to come against God. That his fate has been sealed because of that choice that he has made. And again, David is just saying, and I'm willing to step up and, and bring that to pass. But Goliath's fate has been sealed. It's not a, this can be done. It's sooner or later, it will be done because he has defied God. And I love the certainty uh in his language that he uses there all right continuing on verse 38 then saul dressed david in his own tunic he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head david fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them i cannot go in these he said to saul because i am not used to them so he took them off Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and, with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. This this, uh, (laughs) exchange that takes place is an illustration that can be used for so many different things. Because essentially what is happening is that Saul has in his mind a preconceived notion of what a warrior should look like. And because David is carrying the future of the Israelites on his shoulders about whether or not he wins or loses this battle, Saul wants to give David the best chance that he can give him. And so Saul gives him his equipment, the king's armor, the king's sword the best that there is in the Israelite army and in his mind he's thinking the more I can make David like me the better his chance to succeed but David realized that he was not Saul he could never be Saul, he could only be himself, he could only be David and that becomes so much more impactful when you remember that Saul is currently the king and David has been anointed to be the next king. And so in David's mind he's probably thinking I need to live up to Saul's example. Saul is such was such a great king and he's taken care of all of Israel and I have to replace him. And Saul was someone who was also uh, I believe scripture defines him as being head and shoulders above everyone else. So again, from a physical standpoint, Saul was great. But David realized he could never be Saul. And trying to be Saul, trying to be someone he wasn't used to being, would never work. He could only be himself. And so he said, I'm, I'm not going to go in this armor. I'm not going to go with this weapon. I'm not used to it. It's not who I am. I can't be you. I can only be me. And the best me that I can be. And so that's what he does. He goes with what he had when he fought off the lion and the bear because that's what he was familiar with. And then he goes to the stream and he picks up five smooth stones. Now, there's a lot of discussion and theorizing about why David picked five stones from the river. The explanation that I like the most, partly because it's so just grounded in facts, kind of. It's kind of grounded in reality, is that David picked five stones because Goliath had four brothers, And so there were five of them, Goliath and his four brothers, five people. And David knew that if he was going to go up against Goliath, chances were his brothers were going to come after him because of it. And again, that that is again another theory about why he picked five stones. But that's the one that I like the most um, because it's practical and I like the idea that David is not only focused on Goliath himself, but realizes that the end of this battle isn't the absolute end. There's still more that's going to take place after his battle with Goliath and he needs to be prepared for that. So, whether or not that's the case, I don't know, but I like that explanation. Either way, he goes and gets five stones. And He's there, he's got his shepherd's staff, he's got his slingshot, got the stones, got his shepherd's bag, approaches Goliath. All right, verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. I find it so interesting that Goliath despised David. And when you picture this scene in your head, Goliath and David are truly complete opposites. You have a Goliath who's been a warrior from his youth, he's nine foot nine inches tall, he's got this heavy armor, heavy weapons, he is a warrior. And standing before him, to challenge him, is this little bitty shepherd boy, not wearing armor, not holding weapons, at least not swords and spears and things like that, just a sling. And he's standing there in his shepherd robe, and he's got a shepherd staff. And that's who's come to challenge Goliath. And so Goliath could not help but feel mocked that that was his challenger. Behind David was the entire Israelite army, including King Saul. But did they send out the king to fight him? No. Did they send out one of, their sh- one of their best soldiers to fight him? No. They've sent out this little bitty shepherd boy, as if to say, this is all that it will take to bring you down. So it's no wonder that Goliath despised David at that moment, because he felt so mocked and demeaned. And because he felt mocked and demeaned, he began to mock and demean David by cursing him by the Philistine gods and telling him that he would give his corpse to the animals. I'm not even going to give you a burial. I'm not even going to take care of your corpse. I'm just going to toss toss it aside like trash to the wild animals. Begins to demean and insult David because he feels mocked and demeaned. So now let's look at David's response. Verse 45, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. What a response. Now, some things to notice from this response is even though Goliath has taken the side of David and the challenge of by david personally and is very upset about that and begins to mock david because he personally feels mocked that's not the approach that david takes david doesn't come representing himself he says i come against you in the name of the lord almighty he's coming as representation of god and his will to represent God's protection of the Israelite people from anyone who would dare to challenge them. Not representing himself, who Goliath clearly clearly is. Goliath is representing himself, his pride, his reputation, his strength, but not David. David doesn't represent himself. He represents the Lord Almighty. And then he uses that phrase of the carcass given over to the birds and wild animals, which, of course, feels familiar because that's the exact phrase that Goliath was using. So what David is doing there is saying, that's the threat that you have made against us. And I will make an equal threat back not only to you, but to the entire Philistine army, because this isn't about you, Goliath. This isn't about just you and me. This is about the Philistine people coming against God. And so you've made this threat. You've said this is what you will do to us. This is the attack that you are willing to make. And so I will give back an equal portion. Which reminds me of Jesus' words about um, being judged according to how you judge others. And remember, this is the period where they were still working under the rule of eye for eye and tooth for tooth. And that was a step down from how bad it was before. Uh, So it's just kind of cool to see that idea of eye for eye, tooth for tooth, like whatever is brought against you, whatever you give back should be of equal proportion and, and not greater than what you have received. And David is essentially saying, you have chosen to judge us by making this threat against us, and I will make that equal threat back to the entire Philistine people. And I just love the equality of that, that he takes Goliath's words and turns it back against him. And all throughout David's response, he continues to highlight that this is not a physical battle. You know, Tells Goliath, You come with me, come against me with sword and spear and javelin. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And he even says, You know, all those gathered here will know it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. So he's continually highlighting this is not a physical issue, this is not a physical battle, this is a spiritual battle because you have challenged God. And so I will come against you in the name of God which is the entire opposite of the rest of the Israelites perspectives including King Saul they all saw physical, David again sees spiritual alright so with that said let's get to the actual battle um, that probably many of you have been waiting for so verse 48 as the Philistine moved closer to attack him David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the philistine and killed him and there you have it just those few verses that was the battle over quickly for sure and i love the fact that goliath this giant comes comes you know closer to david to attack him and david actually runs out to meet him head on he doesn't take a defensive stance He takes an offensive approach, and everyone who was there, the entire Israelite army that for 40 days and nights were cowering in fear from Goliath, that were retreating back, saw David run towards him. Could you imagine what that did for morale? that everyone who had been cowering away from Goliath saw David run towards him. And I also think that it's interesting that David, you know, slings the stone and it hits Goliath. And yet, Goliath isn't thrown back by the impact of the stone. He actually falls face down. And I'm not quite sure why that happened. My guess would be because Goliath was running forward, that the momentum carried him, uh, that he fell face down. Uh, But it's interesting to me that David hit him, obviously from the front. It hit him in the forehead, and he fell face down. Now, let me kind of... Oh, what's the word I want? Romanticize or embellish a little bit. Um... Because when I think of that image of Goliath falling face down in this battle, I can't help but feel like he's, he's bowing down before God. Now, obviously, that's not a, a, a conscious choice that he is making to bow down before God. But it's just kind of that posture Because that that posture is a posture of humility where you fall face down before someone. And to me, it's just so strange that he was hit on the forehead and fell face down that I can't help but imagine uh, and and feel like a little bit that he fell before God. Because ultimately, that is the spirit of what happened. Was he didn't fall before David, he fell before God, and David was just a tool, an instrument being used to carry out God's will. So, anyway, that's just how I always feel when I when I read about that. Um. All right. So now we've got the aftermath. We finished the battle. Let's move on to the aftermath, because things get kind of intense here. Uh, beginning at verse fifty-one. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Sherem road to Gath and Akron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. So things get kind of intense there. Let's talk about it a little bit. First, David cuts off Goliath's head. After he had fallen. And I talked about that a little bit um, in my sermon about God's justice, the justice of God. But I think from a realistic standpoint, David needed to make sure that Goliath as a threat was neutralized. Because let's say the stone didn't kill Goliath, it just knocked him out. If that was the case, what do you think Goliath would have done when he came back to consciousness? I'm pretty sure he would not have just accepted his loss and moved on. He probably would have had a a vengeful spirit, a vendetta against David and his family and the Israelite people, and he would have come back enraged, ready to slaughter. And so David needed to make sure that that didn't happen. And he even followed through on the threat that he had made, telling Goliath, I will cut off your head, which I just now realized David made the threat that he would cut off his head going into battle without a sword. And that is super intense. He's like, I don't even have anything to cut off your head with, but it's going to happen. So he probably... Had thought in advance that it would be with Goliath's own sword, and that's just super cool that uh, uh, that was the order of things, and I just now realized that. That's super cool. Um, But David needed to neutralize a threat, make sure Goliath wouldn't come back. Now, if you remember from the start of this story, the Philistines had said, you know, we'll have our two champions fight each other, and whoever loses will be the slave's to the winning army. Well, clearly they did not honor that agreement. And when Goliath fell, when, when Goliath fell, they turned tail and ran. They tried to get out of there as fast as they could. So they did not honor the agreement um, that had been made. They didn't honor the terms of combat, the terms that had been set. Immediately when things didn't go in their favor, they broke their word and tried to get out of there. And then the Israelites didn't let them flee. They chased them down. Now, I am not yet a great enough theologian to determine whether or not it was God's will for the Israelites to do that. Uh, I don't know if God would have preferred to let them go because they were fleeing, or if God's will was for them to uh, annihilate them at that point because they had come against God and then even on top of that had broken um, the terms of agreement. Couldn't be trusted. I, I don't know. I'm not that great of a theologian. But what I do know is that the Philistines started this war unprovoked. They had a working agreement. Uh, working relationship with the Israelites, they decided that wasn't good enough for them. They started this war. And here, when their champion had fallen, the Philistines' morale was as low as it could be, the Israelites' morale was as high as it could be, and the Philistines were turning tail and running. The Philistines had started the war, and the Israelites had a chance to end it to ensure that their families and loved ones back in Jerusalem would no longer be threatened by the Philistines. They had the opportunity, they had the chance, and they took it. And then after chasing them down and and slaughtering them on the way, they came back and plundered their camp on the way back. Which kind of makes sense at that point because... The Philistines went there to use it, and if the uh, Israelites didn't take it, somebody else would have stolen it. So might as well grab that on the way back. All right. Uh, Verse 54. David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem. He put the Philistine's weapons in his own tent. And that is pretty close to all we see about um david's reaction after the battle takes the philistine's head to jerusalem puts the weapons in his own tent and i really like this because obviously goliath's head was a token of renown um you know holding up someone's head clearly shows that you've conquered them you've you've overcome them And he takes it and brings it into Jerusalem so that the people of Jerusalem uh, can be encouraged that that uh, giant of a man, that warrior and champion who came against God's army, had been overcome. And what a celebration could have been had that that threat no longer threatened them. And so David brought the head back to Jerusalem so that Jerusalem could celebrate um, really God overcoming Goliath. And then he takes the Philistines' weapons and puts them in his tent. And those weapons can then become a reminder because Goliath was huge. David was small. David isn't going to be able to uh, comfortably use Goliath's weapons. So he didn't take back the weapons to use, he kept them back as a reminder of what had happened. So that after the celebration had gone down and the head of Goliath had rotted away, that he could always point back to the weapons and say, Look what God gave me the strength to do. Look what took place. These are reminders of what God did on that day. And so he keeps them. Right, and then finishing it off, uh, verses 55 through 58. As Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, commander of the army, Abner, whose son is that young man? Abner replied, As surely as you live, your majesty? I don't know. The king said, Find out whose son this young man is. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine... Abner took him and brought him before Saul, with David still holding the Philistine's head. Whose son are you, young man? Saul asked. David said, I am the son of your servant Jesse of Bethlehem. Now to me, it is so interesting that Saul asks David who he is. Because remember, David was already in Saul's service. He was his armor bearer, And he was his musician that played the lyre to um, rid Saul of the evil spirit that would come and torment him. So Saul already had encountered David regularly. They knew each other, and yet Saul didn't really know who David was. He never bothered to learn about David. All he cared about was what David could do for him wasn't concerned about David as a person, was only concerned about what David could do for him. And that truly does show the greatest flaw that Saul had as king of Israel, was he was not a king of the people of Israel. He wasn't concerned about them. David, who had been in King Saul's service who saved him, was the only one who could uh, ward off the evil spirit from him and served as his armor-bearer. Saul had no idea who David was. Didn't know who his family was, who his father was, because Saul wasn't concerned with knowing. He wasn't concerned about David, didn't care about David, All he was concerned about was what David could do for him. And I want us to see that that is the similarity between Saul and Goliath. Goliath and the Philistine people weren't concerned about what kind of uh, working relationship they could have with the Israelite people. They just wanted to take, take, take. What can we take from them? And that is what makes David such a wonderful contrast to Saul and Goliath and the Philistines. Whereas all they wanted to do was take, David always wanted to give. He says, I am your servant, Saul. I am here to serve you as the king. I am here to serve on God's behalf. I am here because I care about the Israelite people, because I care about my brothers, even though they're jealous of me and mistreat me. I care about them. I care about the people here. I care about the God that we serve, and I'm just willing to do whatever is necessary to help everyone out. I am here to give and to serve. And that is truly what makes David such an incredible person in this story and an incredible man of God was he wasn't just the champion who took out Goliath. He was a champion who served other people. He had what is often called a servant's heart that says, this isn't about me. This isn't about getting glory. It's not about getting the king's daughter in marriage. It's not about getting riches and fame. It's not about building myself up. It's about serving those who are around me, making, making sure that I stand on God's behalf, that, that God is able to um, trust me to defend his people. I want to make sure my brothers stay alive. I want to make sure the Israelite people are not... Uh, enslaved and captivated and I come not as David the Great but as a representative of the almighty God and as a servant to the king what can I do to help and that is truly a spirit that each of us should have where we're not like Goliath and Saul that say what can I get but we are like David, who say, what can I give? A champion who serves others. And that is the end of the story of David and Goliath. And this has been another Sermon in the Pocket. If you have any comments or questions about anything I've talked about, as always, feel free to get in contact either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or email me at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And as always, I encourage you to share this with other people to help get the message out there. But until next time, thank you for taking the time to listen, and I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day.